Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. My name is Greta Lee, and I am tonight's co-host, a senior studying finance and statistics, and I'm currently an RA at Coral Towers. And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Greta, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's 2020. How are you feeling about the new year? You know, it's great to be in this new year and think about the New Year's resolutions and all of those things. And so as a senior in your last semester at NYU, how are you feeling? It's definitely a big feeling of bittersweetness. I'm excited for my courses. I get to take photography this semester, so I'm very excited for that. And I'm just ready to spend a lot of time with my loved ones, but also cherish New York City. Beautiful. Uh, Any significant memories of New York City, either a program you attended or a, a place that you went to that you're like, this is the quintessential moment of New York City? I don't know if it's a quintessential moment of New York City, but I went with my friends to Gantry Park. It's in Long Island City. Okay. It's beautiful. You get to see a view of the whole New York City skyline, Manhattan. So I would definitely recommend that place if you haven't been yet. I often say the best view of New York is from outside of New outside York. Outside of New York City. Absolutely. Agreed. Some people say, you know, the, um, the Freedom Tower or the Empire State Building. Um, but I think that you get a better view, mm-hmm. or even on the Staten Island Ferry. That too, yeah. just off the off Manhattan. Yeah, off Manhattan. <laughs> uh, you're one of many people from Coral who have been on the podcast as my co-host. Enjoyed the time at Coral on the staff? Definitely. My team is amazing, and I think that my RA experience wouldn't be what it is without them. That's great to hear. So tonight we have a great guest, former RA council president, uh, who will talk a little bit about that experience. Who is our guest this evening? Today, our guest is Philip Klugman, who served as an RA in 3rd Avenue North for Chris Stippick, Stacey Ulrich, and Will McGrath during 2009 and 2011 academic years. Welcome, Philip, and thank you so much for joining us on tonight's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. How are you and where are you? Greta, thank you so much for that kind uh, introduction. I'm wonderful. I'm currently residing uh, in San Francisco, California, where it's a little little chilly, but probably not as bad as uh, New York City right now. Philip, it is great to hear your voice, a blast from the past. Uh, We are going to talk a lot of things tonight. We're going to dissect your time at Washington Square first, and then we'll go to your career. So, Let's jump back to your time at Washington Square. What did you study while you were here? So I was in the College of Arts and Science, um, and I was a political science major um, at NYU. It was a really cool experience. It was one of the only things I honestly thought was interesting in my school, but it worked out actually really well because I was very interested in it um, and decided to you know, make that my concentration uh, during my time there. That sounds so interesting, Philip. Along with that, can you tell us about what some extracurricular activities you're involved in? Definitely. So I played four years on the club lacrosse team, um, which was really, really fantastic. It was great, obviously, exercise and to be able to meet people from specifically the East Coast. I'm originally from California. So coming out from the Monterey Bay area, 
in California over to New York City. It was a really, really great way to um, immediately meet people and start making connections on the East Coast. Um, another program I served in with, with uh, Mr. Ellen, our, our host here, was the RA Council. So for two years when I was an RA, I actually served on RA Council. Then my senior year, I was the RA Council president. That sounds like a lot on your plate. Um, could you talk about how you're able to manage both club lacrosse and then also being on RA Council? Yeah, I mean, t- first of all, Tom makes everything easy. So uh, that was, I was very, very, I was grateful. I was grateful to be able to have him as, as a mentor and somebody that I could look to for help there. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I think, similar to a lot of people who are in um, college and university. You know, it's all about managing your time. So where are your priorities with school? Obviously, the RA is like a full-time position. So how are you working with your residents? What sort of um, planning and events do you have going on there? So it's just really about balancing um, a lot of those different asks for your time, which Thankfully, parlays very, very well into a professional career because for the most part, your time does not free up as you get older. It becomes more scarce. Um, And so learning how to balance those different activities and things early was was very beneficial for me. Philip, what made you want to be an RA? You know, you're on the the lacrosse team. You're doing great things, uh, heavy duty academic load. How did this fit in for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was kind of something that I always really aspired to be. Uh, my freshman year, RA, I actually lived at Third North when I was a freshman in 2007 um, with a woman named Tara Scanlon, who was absolutely incredible, really just supportive, um, helped me learn, really created a, a safe and welcoming community for us um, on the floor. We were on, I was in the East Tower, third floor, TE306A. Um, was my room my freshman year. And so I really just have a phenomenal experience with her, great experience meeting people on my floor. And I thought about that community that was provided to me and really said, hey, this is something that I want to replicate for other students who come to NYU so that they could have a great experience just like I did. That sounds very memorable. Um, you have it right down to the he room does. number. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> very impressive. <laughs> Philip, can you talk more about the relationships that you were able to have later with your residents? Yeah, I mean, it was for me, it was one that was just built on on trust and respect. You know, I think it's um, interesting, especially being in a fire hall, you've got a lot of um, young adults who are coming to New York City, city, uh, city some of them for the first time. Um, you've got a lot of people who may not have been away from home um, in the past. And so it's really about um, understanding what their goals are, what their ambitions are, trying to guide them along, being a resource for them when they have questions. Um, it was really, really incredible. Um, how you're set up for success as an RA and to be able to be a resource for your residents, whether you have 20 of them or 30 of them or 40 of them. And so um, really, I think for me, just trying to create the community on my floor where it was a safe space for all the residents who were there so that, um, you know, no questions were silly questions at any time of the day. They knew that I was available and I had their um, best interest at heart so that we could drive forward together. Outstanding. Tell me a little bit about the RA Council itself. Uh, You know, being a member one year and then the president the next year, obviously you gained a lot of respect from your peers to be put in that role. Mm -hmm. Any memorable moments from the RA Council uh, as it relates to some of the things that you may have worked on or uh, uh, some of the things that were important to RAs during that time you were here? I think, you know, overall, it was really just understanding about um, advocating for yourself. Obviously, the university is incredibly supportive, but when you've got um, a big group of RAs, you know, we had one RA from essentially every residence hall that was a part of RA Council, and they all had different needs. You know, whether you're a fire resident or RA or you're an upperclassman resident, there are different things that you had kind of heard from your peers and your staff. Um, And while there was similar trends that a lot of different people needed, um, a lot of it was unique as well. And so I think it was 
really an incredible opportunity being able to advocate for things that your specific residence hall needed, understanding um, the nuances of the job. You know, again, me being a fire RA, hearing from the upper class and RAs, people down in Green Street or Broom Street or Lafayette who had um, similar but different challenges, I think was a really, really incredible opportunity. And then being able to work together um, with the administration, um, with um, the Office of Residential Life and Housing Development to really drive that forward for all, all RAs, I think was really, uh, really special. You did a great job, by the way. You really did. Thank you. Thank you. No, and I, and I think one thing I, I remember specifically, actually, it was a, a panel that I had served on. I believe, Tom, you might have been on it, but it was a, um, I was one of the um, RA reps, um, one of the student reps for a um, administrative panel that was looking at housing within New York City. And so this would have been 2010, 2011 at the time. But I remember the university had just um, purchased Gramercy Green, and they were talking about the long-term investment that the university had made and the idea that I think the university had said something like 2060 or 2070 when they would anticipate having that paid off and be a part of the university and what that would mean for the funds and things like that. And it was really incredible for me because at that point in my life, you know, I'm 20 years old. I had never really had that long-term thinking of like, wow, we're going to have something 50 years from now that is just then going to be paying off. And the university is already thinking about ways that this is going to affect housing at NYU. It was really just incredible being a part of that um, foresight and being able to to learn about that. Philip, it sounds like you had very insightful experiences and things that you didn't really expect to have as an RA. And so along with that, is there anything else maybe um, in RA Council or more with your residents that surprised you or caught you off guard for being an RA? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's about learning really quickly. I think when you really boil it down, you know, being an RA, you're, you're in the service industry. You're serving staff, you're serving students, you're serving the parents of students. Um, and it really, I think for me, put into perspective what it's like being on the receiving end of, of providing a service. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, people get frustrated or your airline's delayed or you're having a bad customer service call. People tend to, um, I think, sometimes unload their their issues or things on service-related employees. And for me, it was really, really, I think, impactful to have that framing of somebody who has been the one providing the service and then understanding that, like, hey, these are people that are really trying to do their best job. They may be well-equipped, they may be not, but you know, when you're interacting with these people, how do you understand, you know, what their goals are? How do you understand that they truly just want to help you? Um, and then kind of working together with them. I think that's something that I've kept with me this entire time, you know, whether I'm interacting with a barista or the newspaper man or, uh, you know, flight attendant, I think it really, I've always kept that in mind of something, um, being on the receiving end of like an unhappy um, person. Um, and so really trying to understand, be solution oriented and be an advocate um, for the best solution possible has been really, really helpful. Yeah, I can definitely relate to the importance of perspectives that being an RA gives to those who are in the role because it's just a lot of unseen situations and unseen or unknown views. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, to cap off your time being at NYU, can you share what the best aspect of attending NYU was for you? Uh, I think it was just incredible to be able to live in New York City. You know, this is a place that people their entire life dream about being. Um, you're living in a place day to day that people spend their time and resources when they have it available to be able to go and visit. Um, and so I think for me, I always used to think about when I would walk from, from 3rd Avenue and 11th Street um, down and going onto campus and I'd be walking down Broadway. Um, and Broadway is a street that you literally hear about all your life. And it's like, hey, this is just part of my 
walking commute to campus. I mean, that I think was really, really humbling and something that I was very, very grateful for. Um, and just to be able to have that opportunity to be, you know, in what I consider probably the greatest city in the world, sort of weather, maybe being from California, but um, I think it was just really incredible. And I was just grateful for the experience to, uh, to be able to be a part of that. Well, we now have a campus in Los Angeles, so uh, you can go <laughs> yeah. down to, to SoCal and, and, and see what it's like, right? Where is the campus in Los Angeles? I, I, we will talk about it. It's a, a small Tisch outlet right now, starting with uh, oh, cool. 20 plus students. Very cool. First semester uh, just ended yes. last semester, and oh, uh, we'll be joining into the next semester. Uh, one last question before mm-hmm. we go to break. Uh, you know, really curious, especially as an athlete, uh, how was it as a non-traditional institution in the city like NYU? How did that help you, or maybe it hurt you? I don't know. In terms of thinking about the college experience, you know, there wasn't football games on Saturday here at the Square. Uh, lots of other things. Yeah, you know, I, I, there were a couple couple thoughts there. I think the thing for NYU, and this is the thing that I always told my residents, is whatever you want to do is there. You kind of just have to go and find it. Um, and you know, ten years ago when I was in school, there was a plethora of resources. Um, online and in person that would help you kind of discover the things that you were interested in. I'm assuming there's far, far more now given the prominence of, of social media. But I think the thing that I always reminded people of, whatever you want to do or whatever you're interested, NYU has a community that serves that. Um, might be a little bit hard to find that community, but you can definitely do it. Um, on the athletic side, it was definitely interesting. You know, at the time, I don't know if it's the case now still, but NYU didn't actually have a field that they, you know, own that you could go on as a student. And so, you know, when we did practices, we'd wake up at um, 8.30 a.m. and I'd walk over to East River Park and we'd play in the East River from 10 to 12, you know, in the snow on a Saturday morning. Um, whenever we would play other schools, um, we would be traveling either, you know, to Long Island or up into, up to Fordham or uh, down the East Coast into Maryland to, to play games against other schools. And I think I was really grateful for that aspect of it. Um, as somebody who grew up on the West Coast, it helped me learn a lot about the East Coast, different schools, different types of people, the different geography, which I was really, really grateful for. And I think also I didn't realize the investment that NYU makes within their club sports. Um, you know, sometimes people hear club sports and they assume that it's just going to be a ragtag group of people. But it was like, no, you know, we had jerseys, we had coaches, we had charter buses taking us to and from games. Um, and I was really, again, just grateful for that experience to be able to learn as much as I could while playing a sport that I enjoyed and being able to uh, exercise while doing it. Thank you so much, Philip. All of your experiences make your college experience sound really fun to relive. Thank you. It's been great talking to you so far. We're going to take a short break now, but when we come back, we're going to jump into what you're doing now, your current role, and your experiences working as Scoop Technologies Customer Success Manager. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Angela Landrasina, dermatology resident and RA alum, and also the author of Dermangelo.com. Uh, a website where you could find a whole host of articles about how you could be taking better care of your skin, Um, how to wear sunscreen, how to look younger, what cosmetic procedures you should be thinking about. Check it out at Dermangelo.com. Welcome back, Philip. Uh, we've just heard about your experiences as an undergraduate student at NYU. Now we want to talk about what happened after graduation day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like for you to leave the, uh, the dream school, NYU, mm-hmm. and, and think about going back to, I always call it the left coast, uh, not the right coast, but the left coast, and, and start your career out, out there? What did you do first? I think even touching on um, graduation, you know, 
NYU makes that so incredible and so special. You know, we had the, the College of Arts and Science graduation in the Javits Center, and then the entire school graduation was in the brand new Yankee Stadium, which had just opened in time for our, for our graduation in the summer season there. Um, our graduation uh, speaker was Bill Clinton. So that was pretty incredible. You know, they, I was pretty close down to the field level and the procession stopped about 20 feet from me and out of the dugout walks Bill Clinton. He gets right in the middle of the procession. He goes, he speaks for about an hour and then immediately goes into a dugout and about five minutes later, there's a helicopter flying over the stadium to take him back to the, uh, to the airport. So I think that was just incredible. And um, our president at the time uh, was a man named John Sexton, who I really had just admired and had really, um, he liked to talk about a global community um, at NYU. And, and I really in, um, admired his vision and just that community that he had created that I had gotten to be a part of during my time at NYU. So graduation, I think was, was absolutely incredible. Um, looking at kind of where I've been since then, um, I decided that I, the cold weather in New York City, albeit not super cold, just cold for such a long period of time that um, I had had my fill of that. So I ended up moving back to San Francisco um, right after I graduated in 2011 um, and then starting a career in a public relations agency called Triple Point, um, which did video game and technology public relations for um, a lot of different size companies, small startups, big startups, everything in between, um, and really just kicking it off from there. That sounds like um, a very abrupt transition, just leaving from New York City. You've been there for four years. Can you talk about how that was um, transitioning both into the working life, but also away from your friends and the community that you've built in the city? I think, you know, it was, it was, uh, there was a lot of pros and cons on both sides, you know, growing up in California, I'd had a lot of friends who were, who were still here um, within the state. So in a certain sense, I felt like I was coming home to that at the same time, you know, obviously I was leaving um, the community and the friendships um, that I had built in New York city. However, I was still very grateful for that. And I, um, kept those relationships with a lot of those people actually still to this day. And I felt less like I was leaving New York City and more of like I was leaving my second home that I knew at any point I could go back to um, if I wanted to experience that. And I actually did about the first, I think about four or five years from moving back. I was still back in New York City at least once every 12 to 18 months seeing people, catching up with old friends um, and being able to be a part of that as well. So I, I left New York City, but I never really left New York City. So you're out in San Francisco, you're working for Triple Point. Mm -hmm. At some point in time, you decide to transition. When is the right point in time in your career to think about a transition? What had you achieved to that point in time that made you feel like, hey, was it you're looking for more to do? You know, what, what was the impetus? I think for me, it was more about the opportunities that I had at any given time. So, you know, we have to go back here. This is 2012, 2013. I mean, this is this is pre-Uber and Lyft. This is you're waiting for a cab on the corner to take you across. And again, we're in the, the tech capital of, of the world, Silicon Valley here. So to be here and see kind of the rapid change that was happening, you know, through my work within the agency, these were a lot of the companies that I was interacting with, but not working with. Um, and when you can work with a small company that is an agile um, startup that is moving quickly and then is working with customers that is building and iterating and executing and scaling. Um, it's really, really exciting to be a part. And so after spending some time on the PR side of things, I actually went and worked at a startup that spun out of that company that gave me the startup bug. And then from there, I basically said, Hey, I want to continue working with these incredible companies um, and growing my career. But I guess again, to bring that all back Tom, to your point, you know, it was more about what about, what is the opportunity that I had at that time? 
And what would this opportunity get me to where I wanted to be, whether it was, you know, a certain salary, whether it was a position, whether it was a role, whether it was working for a company. For me, I had always kind of decided, you know, what is my next step? Or if this is not going to be my forever next step, how does this role or this opportunity get me to that next point that I want to be at? That sounds very streamlined, I'd say. <laughs> um, I'm, cutting, I'm, probably, I'm cutting out a lot, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's like the good overview of it there. Mm-hmm. So you talked about Uber and Lyft and how you're going into the industry and kind of understanding and observing how the industry is changing. Can you talk about how you're experiencing that now in um, at Scoop Technologies and how you're dealing with the changing environment in the technology space overall. So quick background on Scoop. Um, Scoop is a, um, a ride-sharing platform. We help put people in carpools to help them get to work and make a commute a meaningful part of their day. Um, and so, you know, we're kind of at this, this, this uh, cross-section of transportation while also um, being a technology company. Um, I think the thing that's exciting when I think about Scoop is, um, you know, 80% of people still drive alone to work on a, on a daily basis. Um, and most people, when you speak with them and talk with them, when you say like, hey, what do you enjoy and not enjoy about their day? The commute is not something that people think of as, as something that they enjoy or something that um, adds to their day. And so Scoop set out with a mission about four and a half years ago to really make the commute a meaningful part of people's day, to help people show up to work, um, energize, to help people just get to work. Um, you know, living in the Bay Area here, if you're coming up and down the peninsula, you've got a few options um, other than just driving yourself. And a lot of those options are, are expensive or cost prohibitive or just take a lot of time. And so when we're putting people in carpools and we're helping them get to work, we're fundamentally um, changing a part of their day. You know, when we have people talk to us and say, I get to get home 30 minutes earlier and that means I get to tuck my kid in. And that is the most valuable time for me. Um, it's really, really meaningful to hear that. And so on the customer success side of things, I work with Scoop's um, enterprise uh, customers. So these are companies that have anywhere from 5,000 to 15,000 employees. Um, they utilize Scoop for their employees to, again, help improve their commute, help um, make them happier employees, um, help make them more likely to stay at the companies that they're working for. And then I work with these um, transportation teams on a day-to-day basis to make sure that we are driving toward their overall goals and really um, driving impact from not just putting people in carpools, but from sustainability um, and a lot of other different areas. Philip, I was wondering if you could talk about how the things that you're doing now as a customer success manager and then previously Mm -hmm. at Triple Point, how did your major as a political science um, student how did that lead you yeah. to, like, through all your different positions? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. It actually didn't play a huge effect on that. Um, what was really actually a catalyst for me um, was that my first semester of my senior year, um, I took an elective class. It was a public relations two course um, taught by a wonderful gentleman named Bob Richter. Um, he runs a, I believe he still does, he runs a, a PR agency in New York City called Richter Media. And so my um, cousin, who was actually with me at NYU, we were in the same grade, um, was in uh, the Media Culture Communication School at Steinhardt. And he said to me, hey, do you have an elective? I've heard about this really great PR class. You know, you should come and take this with me and like learn about it. And so I went through that class. I took it. It was incredible. You know, Bob was a phenomenal professor and really just kind of laid out like, here's the work you do if you were to make a career out of this. And I really enjoyed it. Um, And so a passion of mine um, still today, but at the time much more was uh, video games. And so I literally Googled video game public relations in New York City. Um, I came across Triple Point as one of the first hits and just sent them an email. And I said, hey, I'm a second semester senior. I'm at NYU studying political science. 
I just took a PR course. I really enjoyed it. I would love to intern with you in the spring. Um, you know, I know that I'm passionate about this subject and I'm excited just to roll up my sleeves and, uh, and get my hands dirty. Um, and they responded pretty quickly and I was able to get a paid internship my second semester of my senior year and then parlay that into a job directly with Triple Point, um, you know, leading out of that. And so I think it was an interesting journey. I think a lot of times, and I remember thinking this at the time, you know, it's like, hey, what are you doing after school or what's your major? Do you have a minor that's, you know, marketable? You're kind of thinking about all these things. And really up until I took that pull on a class at NYU, I really had no idea what direction I was going or what I'd wanted to do. Um, I had looked at law school, you know, and then I had interned in a law firm and said, I don't want to do this. I had looked at political campaigns, really great experience, but had also decided away from that. And so I was just fortunate enough to, to be able to take that class to really have it be impactful upon me and then have that opportunity um, come out of it. And then obviously coming from NYU and saying, hey, I'm an NYU student who wants to work for you for free and, and, and learn um, is not a bad sales pitch to, uh, to a lot of organizations. It goes back to the point of uh, the importance of electives and how you really use them. So that's a really great lesson for our listeners tonight. And I, and I would just add there really, really quickly. I remember learning this after the fact, but I'm not sure if it's still the case. But at the time when I was at NYU, a full course load was, was 16 units and you had an extra two electives that you could take, um, which I wasn't aware of because most classes that I had known were you know four units and I'd have to buy another two units for that. So I just highlight that now. Again, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but I wish that at the time I had utilized those extra two um, elected courses each semester to continue learning and continue trying new things. Um, and so I always tell people now when they're going to school, I said, hey, understand your course load, understand where you have electives and go, go try things you think are interesting. Go try things that you think are you're passionate about because ultimately that's going to help you find success in the future. I'd like to jump in a little bit about the startup culture. I, I don't think everyone is able to succeed in a startup world. Tell me from your perspective of those who are your colleagues, what do they bring that make them more successful in a startup environment compared to those who may not last through the startup environment? I, I think I think the key thing is like what's really driving you? You know, are you are you solving a problem that you personally have experienced that you've seen other people around you that you really want to solve for, that you want to make better? You know, there are people out here who are just like, hey, I really just want to make a ton of money and I want to drive towards that. Those um, are not people that I would choose to work for or companies that I would be at. But again, it's like, what are you trying to solve? The, the genesis for um, the scoop story was that one of the co-founders' wives was commuting from San Francisco for an MBA program down in Santa Clara, and she would do an hour and a half class three nights a week and would spend two hours in traffic each way, you know, going back and forth during rush hour. And so they really started thinking about, you know, how can we make this better and improve that? You know, the first company startup that I worked for out of Triple Point um, was a company called Bolo, and we really were trying to solve um, the database problem. So when you work in PR, you get a bunch of emails from journalists, and you pitch journalists, but most, uh, or a lot of PR people, unfortunately, just kind of mail merge and blast it out. And so what we were really trying to solve is like, how do we create better pitches for journalists so they're more likely to read our pitch, respond, and then like write about the, the product or service that we're working with. And so we had kind of set out to do that. You know, unfortunately, that was a startup that ended up folding because we learned that the PR market um, was not an early adopter of technology that we had kind of tried to do. So I think for me, it's, it's about, it was about aligning passion that I have with a, a problem that I had seen. Um, and then kind of sitting down and saying like, hey, do I think that I could contribute to solving this problem? Um, and am I with a good group of people or a good company that I believe in that's doing the right thing in order to solve this problem and growing? Um, if yes, you know, let's get on that. Yeah, Philip, I, I think your insight is really valuable because 
especially as a senior, considering the skills and trying to think about what the four years have helped me learn in is a really um not uh i'd say long process but it requires a lot of reflection and so taking that uh could you have do you have any advice for undergraduates who are maybe interested in the field that you're currently in or don't know really where to start with their major um and just getting some experience i would say the main thing is like your major does not define you um i actually changed i kept my major the same but i actually changed my minor three different times because I had this idea in my head that like, oh, I'm going to need a minor in order to get a job. I didn't even know what that job was going to be, but it was like this idea of a job. And it was, if I don't have a minor, then I'm not going to be able to get a job. I didn't even have a sure minor. I think I switched from uh, business to econ, econ to business. And then my senior year, I ended up settling on web application and programming design because I had four electives available to take all the required courses uh, as a first and second semester senior, which I would not recommend. Um, but, you know, again, I had this idea in my mind that like, hey, if I'm going to get a job. I have to have these things. Um, that ended up really not being the case. It was more about what did I find that I was passionate about um, and how did I drive towards that? You know, your, your nyu.edu email address is, is worth its, its proverbial weight in gold. Um, because when you send that and you send an email to somebody and you say, hey, I'm Philip and I'm really interested in working at your company. You know, here's my core competencies. Here's my skills. Here's what I'd like to do for you. Here's where I think I can make an impact on what you're working on. You know, is there any way we could work together? You know, people, people respond. People see that and they say, hey, here's somebody coming from a great university that's really interested in making an impact with us. You know, how can we make that work? And I think that that just opened up so many doors for me. Um, I didn't really start doing internships or, or working in jobs in the summer until um, uh, after my sophomore year and a little bit into my junior year. And so for a certain part, I felt like I was a little bit behind the curve, but I think it's really, there's no right answer. Nobody really knows. It's more about what are you passionate about? How can you align those interests? And really about selling yourself and getting yourself out there. That's how you're going to meet people. That's how you're going to have new experiences. That's how you're going to find a lot of these jobs and things like that that are going to um, you know, help you drive success. What do, do you use to help you enhance your knowledge in technology and data science, et cetera? Do you listen to podcasts, uh, journals, reading online? Any a few tips for our listeners? I think there's a, there's a number of um, uh, newsletters I'm a part of and I subscribe to. Um, I read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of tech news every day. And that just started out with being I'm fascinated by like funding. You know, it's a series A round, it's a series B, is it a seed round? Who are the investors? What types of companies are they invested in? Um, so it's a couple ones that I do there are the term sheet, uh, which is uh, run through fortune is fantastic. There's one called the launch ticker, um, which I also really like, which is just basically pure funding news and little snippets. Um, there's one called inside daily brief, which is a newsletter. That's just 10 top stories from around the country every day. That's kind of my more general news. And then I think a lot um, for podcasts, I just like to listen to learn. So I do a lot of interviews, uh, Tim Ferriss podcast, Joe Rogan for those it's for me, it's more of um, who is the person being interviewed on the podcast. And if I'm interested in them, I'll listen to it. Um, there's a really phenomenal podcast on Tim Ferriss where he interviewed um, one of the co-founders of Airbnb that, really just changed my perspective on how to grow and learn and, and kind of the journeys that people have taken. So um, I like those a lot. And then the daily um, with the New York Times is just kind of my overall kind of what's happening and what's really focused on uh, in the world today. Tim Ferriss every week for me. I agree with you. <laughs> Great yep. podcast. Yep. Yep. I will definitely yep. need to look those up because I have not oh, he's phenomenal. Seen, yeah, yeah. seen or heard any of those. So 
check Hello. them out. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing about what you're doing now. Um, just to kind of wrap up, do you still stay in contact with any other RE alumni? If so, who are they? If you want to shout them out. Yeah, I would say my my RE family from, from Third North. Um, I still am friends with most of them on social media, and I see posts. Chris Snippick, I love him. Um, you're your breakdown of Democratic candidates during the primaries. I always read it. I always love. So thank you, Chris. Um, anyone else who's part of the Third North family, um, in no particular order, uh, Ife, uh, Amanda, Lauren, Rog, um, Juan, these are the days that are coming to my head, but a lot of people that I just see, and I, I'm happy with anytime I get to see online. Um, that's always really great. And then obviously my cousin, Dan Point, um, he works in political consulting now in New York City, but he was also an RA actually at Alumni Hall. And now it's time for speed round. Here we go. Favorite all-time book. I would probably have to do Life of Pi. It's a phenomenal book. Ooh, I do like that one. Me yes, too. very good. What do you miss about living in a residence hall? Uh, you you don't realize that you're never going to live this closely to all of your friends ever again. And so I think just being able to walk out your door, make a U-turn, and be in your friend's room and be with the people that you love um, that easily was uh, was really special and something that I, that I definitely miss. Favorite NYU professor? That would probably be Bob Richter, who we already spoke about from the PR class. Uh, on the politics side, we had a, a gentleman named Sam Abrams who taught a class called The Polarization of Politics uh, in the United States. Um, and he was really, really cool. He basically helped us learn that there's no such thing as a red state or a blue state. Everyone's purple and everyone basically thinks the same way. And it's like the extremes that um, are the ones that make all the noise. So your best program you did as an RA. It sounds silly and it's very simple, but just halt next. I really, I made it a point to just have that at the same time every week. And a lot of my um, residents, a lot of them who I'm actually still friends with today, um, that was kind of something where they just said, hey, we like having the space that's created just for us just for the people on our floor um, that can come and just kind of get together and, and talk. And so I think it's a it's a real simple one, but I, I always saw that as being uh, incredibly impactful. Yes, I definitely agree. And so uh, related to food and to wrap up the speed round, what is your favorite restaurant in New York City? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, when I, No, so when I was there, um, uh, Dos Toros just opened their first location on 4th Avenue between 13th and 14th. Uh, they opened it on New Year's Day going into 2010, I believe. Um, and I ate so many burritos. It's, I'm really not a fan of Chipotle. Um, and it was really the only California mission-style burrito that was in New York City. Um, and I literally had so many burritos from there that I considered getting a job there at one point just so that I would be paid to be there and I could eat the burritos for free. But Dos Toros, I would say, is the number one. Uh, close second would be Crip Dogs on St. Mark's. Those hot dogs are just, they're so good. They're so, so good. Wow, yes. Dos Toros is definitely still doing very well um, among the students, yes. Thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to talk about your journey and everything that you've done after NYU. As always, Thank you to our listeners who stay connected with RA alums and who are living this dream school alumni version life. Philip, we miss you. It's great to hear your voice and hear the great things you're doing. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal to be able to talk with you. And I think if I, if I could just close out, really the thing that I want to say is so much of what you do as an RA really just prepares you for so many different aspects of your life. You know, whether it's objection handling, whether it's customer service, whether it's planning, whether it's meeting deadlines, there are so many ways that the skills are, are applicable to what you're going to do in the professional world that you don't realize. And so I'm just so grateful to, to NYU. I'm so grateful to 
Chris was choosing me as an RA. I'm so grateful to um, all the relationships and friends that I made who helped me along the way in New York City being a, being a California boy here. And I really, really just appreciate it um, and would love, love to pay it forward and love to do that at any, uh, any chance I get. So thank you both for that, for your time as well. It's, uh, it's been incredible. Absolutely great. And uh, we will make sure we uh, get you back here at NYU to uh, help yes. out with the RAs as we go along yes. uh, the way. <laughs> Special thanks tonight uh, to our newest engineer, Jennifer Sanchez our executive director, Duncan Lemieux, and our executive producer, Shahara Ranasang, and the current professional staff and the alums like Chris Tippick and Will McGrath, and of course, Stacey Ulrich, who assisted these great RA alums in skill acquisition along the way. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the NYU RA alumni website at where-ra-now.webflow.io, which lists RA favorite books, picks of all favorite time moments of RA life, alumni accomplishments, and ways to mentor. Until next time, think about how you can learn and then teach it to others. Good night.